Psalm chapter 42 this morning, if you'd go there with me, Psalm chapter number 42. When I was in um, En Gedi, that is the place that uh, David was running from King Saul, David was in the caves, and uh, it's amazing that Saul would sacrifice so much uh, when God gave him uh, Israel. I'll be honest with you, there were some parts I said to someone in our group, there were some parts of Israel that I saw that um, I said if if I were Abraham and God said, look around, this is all yours, I would have said, God, send me back to Ur. There's nothing here nice, you know, uh, deserts and hills and rocks. Um, but God took a, took a place of deserts and hills and rocks, and God did some special things. Um, his son was born there. Uh, we saw Golgotha, a place of the skull, and uh, I can't wait to show you the pictures of that place where Jesus shed his blood. I looked in the tomb, and uh, I report to you today the tomb is still empty. There's not a place, of all the sites that we saw, there was not a place that anyone showed us that said, here lies the body of Jesus. He's the only person, only, only one they could say that of. There's no place where the body of Jesus lies because he is risen, and we praise God for that. But as I was in this place of in Gedi. In Gedi is this uh, uh, rock place. Uh, as you were, if you were to see it, you would understand why someone like David would go there to hide. There was caves and there was water sources. One of the things that we saw as soon as we got there and we started making our way through this, through this area, we saw um, what we would call a, a, a deer, and we took some pictures of them, but it, it almost looks like a half-deer um, half antelope, half deer. Well, I guess it would be a third antelope, third deer, and, and a goat. Um, the face of it almost looks like a goat. And I immediately went to, in my mind, Psalm chapter number 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That heart, we understand that in our English as a deer, but I saw that animal that the psalmist would have been writing about. I Saul, I stood at the, this waterfall where this animal would have went to for, for drink, for, for water, for nourishment. Without water, you can't live. You can live without food for a period of time, but you can't live without water. You have to have water. The body has to have water. And here the psalmist says, as this heart, or as this deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That... Um, introduction that you see to the in the in the psalm here you might find in your bible to the chief musician masculine for the sons of Korah that that word masculine would mean this teaching or instruction and the reality is this we don't know who wrote this psalm sometimes we like to think that David wrote all the psalms and David didn't write every psalm that's in the bible um, in this specific psalm, we don't know if David himself wrote this. If you were to study through this psalm, some people think that David did. It's, it's one that, uh, 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 it's writing sounds like David. But if you were to look at verse number six, to our understanding or to our knowledge, David uh, was never there at this place, the land of Jordan, the, uh, the end of the Hermonites from the hill Misar. So we, we, if you study David's life, 
you don't ever find that David was in that place. So for David to refer to this place in a psalm, um, it might tell us maybe this wasn't David that, that wrote the psalm. Some, some Bible uh, scholars believe it was David. Others believe it was written by someone in the Babylonian exile. They believe that maybe it was a, uh, a Jew that was taken captivity. They were writing about their homeland, and it may be that as well. Some believe it was a Levite taken by the Assyrians and then taken to this place uh, where the Assyrians were. And we don't know. And I guess the importance isn't for us to figure out who wrote it. But the Bible, we do know, is written for our teaching, for our instruction. Where we do know of this, and let's continue reading, my soul thirsteth for God in verse 2. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? He's asking this question. My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the holy day. That verse reminds me of of today. Uh, It's exciting to come with other believers to the house of God and and rejoice. Don't you like it when other people sing that are around you? Don't you like it when other people talk about the Lord and his goodness? It's great to come to the house of God and and sing praises and, and worship the Lord. And he says, I remember that time. Why art thou cast down, he says in verse 5, O my soul? He's talking to himself. Have you ever talked to yourself? It's okay to talk to yourself. It's when you answer yourself you get into trouble. But it's okay to talk to yourself. If you hear a voice answering you, be careful. We all talk to ourselves. There's times we say, why is this happening? And that's what this psalmist is saying. Why? Why? I remember being in a place of great joy and great praise, and now I'm cast down, O my soul. Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites, and from the hill Misar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. In the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, and mine enemies reproach me. Well, he's saying, my bones hurt. Here this psalmist is at a place that he is in such agony. He says, my bones hurt. I'm in such pain, spiritual pain and physical pain. As, this, as with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Wherever it is and whoever this this psalmist is, we know this from this psalm, he's finding himself alone. He's finding himself alone. He's around others who don't believe in his God. 
Verse 4 tells us where he was. He was in a place of rejoicing. He was in a place uh, of, of, of the temple where others would come and rejoice. But now he finds himself in a place where those that are around him, they don't believe in his God. Matter of fact, they mock him because of his God. They ask him, who is your God? They see him in captivity. They see him in pain. And, and what they're saying is, if your God is so great, why are you in the situation that you find yourself in? He's alone. He used to be in a great crowd of people who were worshiping God, and now this psalmist is no longer there. In verse number four, he's gone with the multitude. He's gone from the multitude. And now he's in a place where people question. People are questioning the God of Israel. People are questioning the God that he once praised. He's in a place of, of depression. He's in a place of, of desperation. He's crying. The Bible says that he's crying day and night. And he's in a, in a very bad place, as I said, both physically and spiritually. This man, this author, this writer of this psalm finds himself in a bad place. And we know, though, that this psalm is written for teaching, for instruction. And whoever this person is, I want us to see this morning that God is using this person to pen a psalm for our instruction. Aren't you glad that God puts things in his word for you? When we read the Bible, we don't read it for someone else or for another, another time or a, another people. When we get into this psalm, you know what this psalm is for? It's for you. It's for me. It's for our instruction. When we find ourselves in this place where the psalmist finds himself, God puts this in his word. He, 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 he divinely inspired this portion of scripture for you and for me. He wants this for us. And this morning, I want us not to miss what God has for us. I want us to dig into this psalm and I want us to find what God has for us as we come to this table this morning. As we come in just a few moments and we drink of this juice and we break this bread and we eat of this bread, I want us to consider Christ. I want you to follow this <clears throat> this morning. I'm going to give you three things if the Lord allows us to have the time this morning. I want to give us three things. Number one is something is happening to this man, to the psalmist. Something, number two, is happening in this man. And something is happening through this man. Something, write these three things down. Something is happening to them, this man. Something is happening in this man. And something is happening through this author of Psalm. And I want us to find out what these three things are here today. Let's first look at something is happening to this man. In verse number three, the Bible says this. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy, thy God? This, this psalmist is saying this, whatever he's going through, it's really, really bad. Have you ever been in a situation where you said, this is really, really bad? This is something that, as the psalmist describes here, it's tearful. He, he, he says this, these tears, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to eat. He, he's telling us two things here in verse number two. This, this psalmist can't eat. He says, my tears 
are my meat. I, 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 I'm, I'm not hungry. I've, I've lost my appetite. Have you ever been in a situation in your life that se- things seem so bad that th- eating wasn't even something you were concerned with? You've lost your appetite. You weren't concerned when, when, when we were in Israel. One of the things we, we looked at was, was uh, um, uh, uh, the, the buffets to eat at the, the morning and the evening. And, and um, we, we got to the place where about halfway through the trip, I couldn't eat any more hummus. I, I loved Mediterranean food before I left. I don't want to ever see Mediterranean food now that we're back in the States. I said to my wife, doesn't a burger from McDonald's and fries from McDonald's sound good right now? And we don't eat at McDonald's. It never sounded good to us, but it sounded so good at that moment. This fella is in a situation where food doesn't sound good. He's not thinking about what the next meal is. He's crying himself through the next meal. The second thing we find, he says this, I'm, I'm, my tears are my meat day and night. We know this, this psalmist isn't eating and this psalmist isn't sleeping. He says, I can't stop thinking about this. I can't stop uh, worrying. I can't stop fretting over this situation. I can't eat and I can't sleep. This situation is so bad. Notice in verse number five, he's talking to himself. He's saying this, he's cast down, he's beaten up, he's stooped over. Life right now at this point in his life just feels like there's no hope. He feels like giving up. I wonder, have you ever been in life? Has situations ever compounded your life where you've said, it's just not worth going on? It's just not worth moving forward? It just seems like every time I get up, every time I wake up, there's another problem, there's another situation that I have to deal with. I just feel like giving up. And he's asking himself this, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like it's not worth it? Why do I feel like not moving forward? The psalmist is, he's asking himself these questions And he's asking himself like we ask ourselves at times, why? Why can't I seem to get this moving forward? Why do I find myself here? He's asking himself, why am I in this place of no peace and no rest? Why do I find myself here? Look at verse number six. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember Thee from the land of Jordan. He says, and look with me in verse number 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He comes back to this theme over and over in these short 11 verses. This psalmist, wherever he's at, whoever he is, he's coming back to this theme continually. Oh my soul, why am I so cast down? I'm depressed, I can't eat, I can't sleep. I'm cast down. He says, it's a pain, as I said earlier uh, in, in uh, verse number 10, it's a pain in his bones. It hurts so bad. He says this, I'm disquieted. That word disquieted, clamor, you know what he's asking himself? What if? Do you ever get yourself in a place in life where you just, you ask yourself, what if? What if I would have done this differently? What if I would have done this or made this? What if I wouldn't have done this? And that's where this psalmist finds himself. He's asking him, what if, what if, what if, what did I do? What decision did I make? Why am I finding myself here? I can't find peace. 
My mind won't stop racing. You ever find yourself in a place where it seems like you're constantly looking at the clock? Your mind is racing. You can't stop thinking. The Lord here, we find something that the God is doing to him. This man has a condition. He's deep in pain. He has no peace. He has a defeating attitude. He has a racing mind. This condition of this man. He also has a memory. The Bible says this, when I remember these things, he says in verse number four, he has a memory the way things used to be. Have you ever said, I wish things were the way they used to be? I've said that. Someone said to me Friday, Friday evening, we were at an uh, awards ceremony for our uh, soccer teams here at the school, and my son played soccer, and so I was here at these awards, and someone said to me as we were sitting down, they said, so you've been back less than 24 hours. Have you had any problems yet to deal with? I said, yeah, they were waiting for me. They were waiting. So you had to deal with problems today? Yeah. People were frustrated? Yeah. You dealt with upset people? Yes. You weren't even home 24 hours? I said to Michelle, I said, Friday I said to her, I wish things were the way they used to be. You ever, you ever long for the good old days? How many of you, you in your marriage, you're at a place where you say, remember when we were dating, how that used to be? How many of your ladies ever said to your husbands, remember when you used to open the car door? Remember when, you know, you used to let me order first? Remember when you did those kind things? I got up early this morning and, and uh, I made my wife coffee this morning. I just want to tell you, husbands, that works. It works really, really well. Get up early, make your wife something special. And she got up to coffee smelling and she said, you made me coffee. I said, yes, because I love you. She says, you haven't made me coffee in 20 years. I said, because I love you more today than I've ever loved you before is why I did something so special for you today. The way things used to be and that memory is exacerbating factor in his depression because he says things aren't like they used to be. They're not as good as they used to be and I don't like where I'm at. We see his condition. We see his memory. Things used to be great. He said, I remember when I was in the right place with the right people praising God, and I don't find myself there anymore. And a matter of fact, he is saying this. If you'd see between lines, what he's saying is this. All of that seemed like a lifetime ago. I remember the good things. I remember praising God. I remember when my spirit was great. I remember when I had peace. I remember when I could eat. I remember all of those things, and it seemed so long ago. What happened? Why am I in this place? What happened that God would allow this, me to be in this place? We see the condition. We see this memory. We also see it was a daily stress upon him. Verse number three says this, this uh, was continually. See that word continually? This just wouldn't stop. Listen, this pain can even erode the strongest Christian. He said it's continually in verse number three. He said in verse number 10, he says, as with the sword of my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily. To say, where is your God? 
Verse number seven, what they're saying is, where is your God? If your God loved you, then why is he letting you go through this? All of this is happening to him. It's happening to him. I want you to see this morning as we hurry what's happening in him. We see what's happening to him. Now let's see what's happening in him. He says in verse number one, I'm like that deer. I'm alone. I need water. I desperately need it. That deer comes out of hiding. That, that, that brook is not covered by trees, and it's not a place where a deer could hide. It's actually a deer has to go out into that brook and get into the open. And any wise hunter that wants to, to kill this deer would know that wait till the deer comes to this brook. The deer is wide open. The deer has his head down. The, the deer is going to be vulnerable, and, and you can kill the deer at that time. But while it's hiding in the trees and while it's making cover uh, under the bushes, you, you can't find that deer. And this, this man is seeing, he says, I feel like I'm like this deer. I'm coming out to a place where I'm in the open. I'm coming out into a place where, where, where uh, uh, others can attack me, but I long for you so bad, God, I'm going to come to this place. He says, I see this, and this is the way I feel. And I want you to see this in your heart. He's beginning to see God in ways that he's never seen God before. There's not a portion of Scripture that I doubted before I went to Israel. But I can tell you, once I saw some of the things that I've read in Scripture, what it does is it allows you to see God in a different way. It's not that I doubted him before. I believed his word, but now I see it. He's beginning to see God in a way he's never seen him before. This is what your trial does. And I've said this to our church often before. Our trials aren't there for God to, to break us. Our, God, our trials are there so that God can cause us to see things about him that we cannot see unless we go through this. The older I get, the more I experience life. And the reality is God allows that experience to help you understand him. As this man is going through life, he's seeing God in other ways. He can see a deer coming to a water brook, and you know what he sees? He sees something about God. He's looking at nature. He's looking at what happens around him, and he's no longer just seeing it as a deer trying to get drink. He now sees it as, as that's what my soul is desiring after you, O oh God. God is showing himself. He's revealing himself in ways that aren't academic. Listen, you can know God's word, but until God begins to work in your life and you start to see that his word is true and you start to see it's not just a sermon that's preached, it's not just a passage of, uh, of scripture that I read, but I'm living that life. I can trust him. He says in his word that he's trustworthy. Well, he puts you in a place where you know what you realize? His word is true. I've said this often. Bible college doesn't teach anybody how to be a pastor. Experience does. Matter of fact, in a lot of Bible colleges, you know, a lot of the professors never even pastored before. They're academics. They, they, they teach. Sometimes God puts you in a place where it's not just about academics anymore. It's about him showing and revealing himself to you that he only can do by bringing you to this place. Something you can only learn through experience. 
Here's a man alone. He doesn't know what God is doing. He sees a deer coming down to the water and he says, God, that's me. That's what I desire. As that deer so thirsty is willing to come out of hiding to quench that thirst, I'm willing to come to any place so that you can fill me. That's how much he wanted this. What he's saying is this, I want to know you again. I want to experience you again. I want things to be the way things used to be between us again. His innermost thoughts and desires and motives are beginning to surface. Listen, sometimes God brings you to a place where who you are, your innermost thoughts, your innermost desires, your motives become bring to the, to the surface. See, because we think we know us. We th- I think I know me. You think you know you. But you know what I realize the older I get in life? I don't know me. And my difficulties and my struggles teach me something about me. They teach me something about God and they also teach me something about me. I'm not nearly as strong as I think I am when everything's great. I don't always have the faith that I think I have. And how do I realize that? When I get to a place of difficulty, when I have to trust God, listen to me, it's one thing to stand behind this pulpit and preach about faith and open up a passage of Scripture and say, look, right here, God says it. That's what we ought to do. That's the right thing to do. But it's another thing to be put in that situation and say, okay, God, I'm here and I still trust you. I believe it. This psalmist is finding himself in a place where he's learning some things about God and he's also learning some things about himself. You see, when it's your problem, I know exactly what to tell you. I know exactly where to turn to Scripture. But when it's my problem, when the pressure's on me, when the burden is... is, Shoving me down. I learned some things about myself and you learned some things about yourself as well. Maybe one of the things God is doing in you, in you, is showing you things about himself and maybe some of the things that God is doing in you is showing some things about you. He's showing things about yourself that he's pruning you. Listen, we, all of us, all of us are in a place, if we want to be what God wants us to be, all of us are going to be finding ourselves at times at a place where God's pruning us. And pruning hurts. All of us are going to find times where God's sweeping things out of our life that he doesn't want there. All of us are going to find ourselves here. And this psalmist finds himself that God is doing something to him. He's doing something in him. God has crystallized his priorities. So that all of his, all of this action, all of his desires was that he wanted to return to God. This psalmist, his attitude was, God, I want you. God, I desire you. This trial was there to show the psalmist 
what's really important in life. You know, sometimes we put the wrong priorities in life and sometimes God has to bring us to a place where he says, these aren't priorities. I am. And if it takes pruning, if it takes sweeping away, the desire that we must come to, the realization we must come to is this, God, it's not my decision to decide what's important in my life. It's up to you. And I want to yield myself to you and what you have for my life.